Hello, BSH listeners and Flypaniacs. This is Steve Jacob from Flyperbole. So on this week's episode of Flight, Brian Quickly and I were going to discuss Better Call Saul for a bit. And then, A, we ran out of time on the podcast we were recording at the time. And on top of that, we realized that we had enough content to record an entire podcast just about Better Call Saul because we are both fanatics of the show and Breaking Bad and we were getting into it. We're like, how could we not just dedicate a whole podcast to this? So we went ahead and recorded a whole ass podcast about Better Call Saul. So please enjoy this entire podcast about Better Call Saul and FYI, spoilers. So if you are, if you've not watched Better Call Saul and you'd like to, or Breaking Bad, there are spoilers for that. And also, Ryan had a slight spoiler about Ozark in here that I didn't even expect. So be on the lookout for that. But please enjoy this television talk on this Hockey Podcast Network. Final season is coming up, premieres next week, uh, I believe, on Monday. Is that right? Uh, I believe Monday. Yeah, the 18th. Ryan and I are both big Breaking Bad fanatics. We love Better Call Saul. So this is exciting for us. And I was excited when I found out that... that that Ryan was caught up on it and I wanted to discuss it a little bit because I'm, I love talking TV. I could talk TV all day. I was this close to forcing Kelly and James to do a separate <laughs> podcast with me. It was very close. I just didn't have the time or I would have done it, but I wanted to just get some prediction stuff out for the final season of better call Saul. So again, that's why if you're not caught up, this is a good time to just spoilers check ahead. out right now is your last warning. My first question coming into this is there are certain characters that we have yeah. never seen on breaking bad. Okay. That we know something is something happens to them, but we don't know what happens to them. Obviously we know what happens to Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman, right? We know what happens to Gustavo Fring. Okay. We have no idea what happens to like Nacho, Kim, Lalo, and yeah. who can forget dear Nacho's dad. Well, do we know what happened to Jimmy, though? That's true. We are. Well, it's still the present day story. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out what's happening to him in like the present day, you know? Yes. Well, I have a prediction section for that, but I wanted to talk first, though, about like the side characters and see essentially like what we think is going to happen to them. So the first one is like Kim is the Kim Wexler is the partner in crime. She is the co-lead, I think, of the show. And. She's the big one. I think she's the person that people are most invested in what her fate will be if she survives the show, because it's definitely an unknown if she's going to make it or not. So what are your feelings right now? Does Kim live, die? Like what happens to Kim at the end of the show, do you think? All right. So I don't think she's going to die, but I, I think the two likeliest things are either Jimmy does something that's just so damning that she just leaves him and leaves Albuquerque. Um, but then at the same time, I wonder, because she's slowly, like throughout the series, she's slowly but steadily become Jimmy, you know? Like she's becoming like her own version of Slip and Jimmy. So I kind of wonder, like, yeah, would that happen? I feel like at this point, Jimmy could do anything and she'd be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, like she'd be on board for it. So part of me wonders, I feel like she might go to jail. Oh, I hadn't considered that. I I was thinking the only things that could happen were she dies or she leaves Albuquerque behind. I didn't even consider jail. That's an interesting one. Because I remember 
at some point in, um, I think it was, there was like a fast forward in Better Call Saul somewhere where Saul is telling Francesca, I have a call at this exact time. I must get that call. And it was when it was during like the Breaking Bad era. So it makes me wonder if like, is he getting a call with, with Kim when she's in jail? Cause don't you have to like schedule your call? That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, I, I mean, I don't know too much about calling people in jail. Thankfully I pretty much just know what I heard on the first season of serial, right. Where it's like a call right, from right. a prisoner at like that kind of thing. It could be that for sure. That's actually an interesting idea. And because there's something like, we know she's not with him. He talks about ex-wives and, uh, we know they're not together. It's, well, we, we assume. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes with uh, Saul Goodman for the most part, but he's a damaged person. He is somebody who puts on this act because he can't even bear to live his like real life, pretty much. And at the end of the day, like what happens with Kim? I can't imagine he's just like going that deep down into the cartel hole if he has somebody like Kim in his life. Right, yeah. It's there's so many different moving parts to this, and that's why I'm, dude. I love this show so much. I think I might like it. This is gonna sound crazy. I might like it more than Breaking Bad. Well, I I've actually met some people who don't who haven't even like made it through Breaking Bad, but they really like Better Call Saul. They're they're very different shows in a lot of regards. Like obviously they are in the same universe. They have a lot of the same DNA, but you know the protagonist is such a difference maker here where. Bob Odenkirk gives such a like heart to Jimmy McGill and you know, there's, there's a definite different humor to Jimmy McGill as opposed to Walter White, where Cranston yeah. is amazing as Walter White, but Walter White is such a despicable character who just constantly makes despicable choices. Whereas like Jimmy makes, you know, questionable choices, right? Like obviously we're rewatching right now. So like we're at the point where he, had just done the old switcheroo with the documentation on Chuck, and he doesn't ever imagine this is going to lead to lead to Chuck's death, but it does, and it ends up being like one of the worst decisions he's ever made. But like Walter White would make these kind of decisions where he's very aware this is going to lead to someone's death, and he just leans into it. So I'm rewatching Breaking Bad now, literally like an hour before we started. I was watching the episode of Breaking Bad where Walt lets uh, Jane die. Right, which is, I think, it's definitely in his top three worst acts, okay. if not the worst. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, Jimmy's so different from from Walt, and I don't know. It's it's so funny because, like, I think of Saul and Jimmy as two different people, but they're the same. It's it's weird. It is weird. I, I agree, though. But I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like something's going to happen with Kim where I, I don't think she's going to die. I think he would be more damaged. Like, I think he would be shut down. if she That's died. my thing. I feel like he would never become the Saul Goodman we know from Breaking Bad if she were killed. Because it would have been him that killed her, basically. Like, it would have been his fault that she died. So, and then he would take that with him for years and years and years. And I don't think he would continue doing Breaking Bad stuff. And also, in Breaking Bad, there's one point where he mentions... Oh yeah, something, something. My second ex-wife. So I feel like there's a divorce coming. Oh, I'm sure there's a divorce coming. Like, and that, that's also the thing. It's like he wouldn't talk about like my second ex-wife if 
she was somebody who died, yeah. right? Like, it, it would have to be... It just seems too tragic, I don't think. I think Kim's okay, but I, I don't think she's in his life yeah. by any means. I, I, I don't know. I got a feeling jail's coming for Kim. Oh, that would be... That would actually, I think, be more tragic than a death for Kim. Yeah. Because she was such a stand-up character where I'm at right now, like she's all about doing things the right way. And that's like one of her major divides with Jimmy at the beginning of the show is he wants to cut corners. Yeah. He wants to just talk his way out of everything. And she wants to do things the right yeah. way. So that would be, that would be a terrible fate for Kim, but I, I buy it. I buy it. For yeah. Sure. And she's trying to bring down Howard. And I feel like he's like somehow the most difficult adversary she can go up against. Well, because, like, Howard is in so many ways a mentor to her yeah. and somebody who helped her come up. I just watched the scene where she resigns from HHM, and that's so difficult for her, and she's so taken aback by his, like, generosity with, like, oh, we'll pay your bills, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually envious of you in a way. And Howard's a character that really seemed, like, one-dimensional, like this just heel at the beginning of the show, and he's really turned into such an interesting character who's got, got these so much nuance to it yeah. and that that's one of the things i love about what they do is they paint these pictures where it looks like one thing but then you pull out the camera and it's like a whole cornucopia yeah i hated howard so much for so long and now like like he tried bringing jimmy in like as a full-time associate you know he tried bringing him into hhf and jimmy just how did he respond? He threw he threw bowling balls at his car, and he sent strippers to infiltrate his like a very important meeting he was having during lunch. Like it's it's very yeah, it's bizarre. And like I kind of have grown to like Howard because I don't think Howard's a bad dude. No, I don't think he's a bad dude. I think if anything, Chuck's influence made Howard because like the, what really struck me in this rewatch is Howard is talking to Kim and he's talking about like striking out on his own and regretting not doing that. And it just seems like all the pressure from his father and from Chuck is really what made Howard into kind of this, uh, uh just more of a douchey lawyer and somebody who just kind of just does this, this corporate like bullshit lawyering at the end of the day and not actually do stuff for people. And you can tell he's got regrets about that. So he's, he's just such a more interesting character than we initially thought he was going to be. Yeah. I also kind of wonder what's going to happen with Howard. Part of me wonders if like, maybe he's going to die. I wouldn't shock me. I mean, Howard, and that wouldn't affect Jimmy in a way that we could see in, in Saul throughout Breaking Bad. You know, it's somebody, it would just be in the same vein as like losing Chuck, essentially, where it's right. like one yeah. of those things where it's like, I'm a bad person, but I'm just going to kind of bury this down within me. Yeah, I, I feel like that would be a kind of like a holy shit moment if he were to die. But I don't know, man. Also, I, I'm kind of convinced Nacho's going to die. I, I feel like he'll, yes. he'll die Let's... or he'll like something. I, I think he's going to be like defending his dad or something like that. And Lalo is probably going to kill him. Or Oh my God. You, you talk about a character that ends up having a much broader scope than we initially thought. And that's Nacho where he just seemed again, like this one dimensional gangster, you know, somebody to just kind of be a viewpoint into the, the cartel world there. And Nacho's ended up being such a, a fascinating character. You can, I really love how he's played. He's just, he's great. 
and he's just so interesting. And it's going to be really sad when whatever happens to him happens, because there's a reason we don't see him in Breaking Bad. There's a reason that he's not present for these events. He's not involved with Tuco or any of them. And there's only really two options for Nacho. He either escapes the life entirely, pulls a Jesse Pinkman and goes to like Alaska or somewhere remote where he can actually escape or he's going to die. And his poor father's stuck in the crosshairs there. And, you know, Nacho's just one of those guys who he, he would be the first to admit that he's done bad things, but he's somebody who I think never really had a choice in life and is trying to, you know, escape and find his own way if he can. Yeah. And I, I don't know. So you mentioned Lalo and how he didn't have any part in Breaking Bad. He was actually mentioned in an episode of Breaking Bad. The episode where they meet Saul for the first time in Breaking Bad, when they take him out in the desert and they're threatening him. When Saul is begging for his life, he's like, he says, who are you guys? Did Lalo send you? I believe he also mentions Ignacio there. He de- he says, this is not me. It was Ignacio. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy. It's kind of all building up to that line. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, like, did Lalo, is Lalo going back to Mexico? Like, what's what's going to happen? It's Dude, there's so many things. And I, I it's so funny we're talking about this because earlier today I saw an interview with um, Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Gus Fring in the show. And he was on the Rich Eisen podcast. And he said, this see, this season is going to change how you look at everything in Breaking Bad. I can't wait. I can't wait. He also teased that there could potentially be something involving Gus in the future. I mean, this creative team has done such a great job with this. I trust Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould like it, implicitly at this point because these guys are fantastic filmmakers that have just done such a a great job with these characters better call Saul was one of those shows that when i first started watching it you know i had high hopes obviously coming off of breaking bad and it took me a bit to get used to the the pacing of it and once it really found its groove uh, it's been incredible but like it's one of those shows that as i've gone back and i've done this rewatch over the past couple weeks like it's actually been way better for me than the first time around. It's just like without the expectations that initially I had initially for the show, like it is so much better. It's so fleshed out and they do. It's the best prequel anything I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I think I've, this is going to sound crazy. I think I've watched uh, better call Saul from start to finish four times now. Holy shit. I actually, this is my first time revisiting it since I first started. I, I don't know what it is, but dude, it's just, I can watch it over and over again. It, it's the same thing with Breaking Bad. I've watched Breaking Bad like eight times and I could spend my time watching other shows, but I just enjoy them so much that I just want to keep watching them, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Well, it's just like the filmmaking style is, is so great. Like uh, if, Anybody here is interested more in like how they actually make the show. They do such great podcasts where they actually will like discuss all of the episodes that they made and it, like the making of podcasts they do are tremendous content. Yeah. I'm going to have to check. What are those called? I need to check those out. Uh, I think it's just called Better Call Saul podcast and the Breaking Bad podcast. But yeah, I love the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul behind the scenes podcast that they put out. They've been putting them out, I think, since season two of Breaking Bad. So for years now. And 
what I really enjoy about it is that it's the behind the scenes people. It's the people who actually make the show. Like Vince Gilligan is generally on there. Peter yeah. Gould, um, the editors of the show actually host it. And, you know, the writers are constantly on there. Occasionally you get actors. I think the most common actor on there is Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike Ehrmantraut. He's on there a bunch. And he's just, by the way, the sweetest guy in the world. He's the biggest. I love Jonathan Banks, yeah. Biggest curmudgeon on the show and just an absolute sweetheart on the show. He's just like the most generous, nicest guy to hear, hear on a podcast. Yeah. And like even the character of like of Mike Ermintrout sometimes, like whenever he'd be with Kaylee, like he seems like the coolest grandpa ever, you know, like he just seems so awesome. And then he goes out and he kills people. (laughs) (laughs) The dichotomy there is is kind of wild when you think about it. Yeah. But I think now that I'm thinking about it, wasn't there also a thing they did during the Breaking Bad? um, Like when they were airing that on uh What's the name? I almost said TMC. AMC. AMC. That's right. And I could say that with authority, which I I, I know it's AMC, but like I could say that with authority because I've literally got Breaking Bad on AMC right now on my tablet next to me while I record. Oh, man. Nice. They're doing a marathon. So right now it's the episode where I'm assuming I don't need to give Breaking Bad spoilers on here for, you know, a show that came out years ago and you're listening to Better Call Saul podcast, you know, but like the one where Drew Sharp gets shot by good old psychotic Todd. Oh, wait, wait, Drew Sharp? Is that his name? Drew Sharp? I thought that was the kid's name. The one who's on the bike. When Todd shoots the kid? Yeah, Todd shoots the kid. Oh yeah! I fr- wow, you remember the kid's name? I can't. Remember I you know why I remember the kid's name because I just rewatched Breaking Bad and they make such a big deal out of the kid's name after he gets shot. And yeah, also in um in El Camino it comes back. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, uh, wow. along with uh, a bunch of extra weight for poor Todd. <laughs> Didn't they d- during the airing of Better Calls or um, Breaking Bad on? Um, AMC didn't they do a thing called talking bad like immediately afterwards yeah that was something they started doing because talking dead was such a hit for AMC after walking dead episodes so I don't know if that's coming back or talking Saul or whatever they call it but I I do know that the the podcast they put out after shows is outstanding they really get into such great details and if you're even remotely interested in in filmmaking or how television shows are made i think this has some of the best information i've heard on on any program yeah yeah no it's very good yeah i'm excited to listen i listened a little bit to it but yeah i'm gonna have to really give it a full full listen here because that sounds exactly what I, because I can't just watch an episode where there's like a big cliffhanger and not talk about it with someone. And like, none of my friends really watch Better Call Saul. So like, like I'm going to have to, even if I'm listening to other people talk, I have to like, I need something to, you know, kind of absorb after going through a cliffhanger or something. I totally agree with that. I'm the same way. I thankfully, my partner, Emily, like, we all we watch most of the same shows together so we can sit there and discuss that but we'll separately go out and listen to podcasts read articles go on reddit and and look at discussions on these shows like we were just doing this for severance but and like on top of discussing severance with emily and looking at the reddit after every episode i still had to discuss it with kelly and james from broad and 
Like, that's how absorbing that show was to me. Like, I really needed to go out there and discuss it. And that's why I think television shows are, are so... They really stay with people. They really resonate with people in a way that... And this is unfair to movies, but in a way that movies haven't quite in recent years. Because after every episode... And this is also why I like serialized television. Instead of just dumping it all on Netflix at once. Because you get this time to take in an episode and, and really right. pull the episode apart, much like Mike pulls that car apart looking for the tracer, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, get to every inch of it, really just break it down. Like um, Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things, but like the third season, I like remember almost nothing about it. Right. Because like, you watched it in like a day. Yeah. And then I was just like, huh, that's wild. And now, yeah, like I just kind of forgot about everything and so with better call Saul and breaking bad like you have the whole lead up to the next episode and if you want you can like dvr the previous weeks and like watch it multiple times to make sure that you're like you got all your facts straight and then then you can go into it so yeah it's uh, i definitely kind of prefer it being like every week the only thing that stinks is like i work at night so i'm gonna have to like dvr all of them and then go back and I need to avoid spoilers and everything. That's going to be tough. That's the hardest part. And even there's just like little things that can spoil an experience for you. Like right now, one of the problems I've run into, this is um, more of a problem with the the like Marvel Disney Plus shows, is that there is uh, an account, like a blog I follow on like Instagram. And I get a lot of like news on there and stuff like that. Uh, but occasionally they will post reviews for episodes out there. So they'll post their review and then it's like, no, I don't want to see your goddamn review of this episode before I've seen the episode because now you're setting me up for disappointment or you're setting me up for expectations on how the feel of the episode is going to be. And my expectations might be too high or too low. Like I actually had this problem with the Batman, when I saw the Batman, my expectations yeah. for the Batman were way too high because all the reviews were so glowing about this that I don't think I really enjoyed the movie as well as I should have. And I, right. I'm, I'm interested to check it out when it drops. I think it's on HBO this week, so I'm going to give it another watch. It's a very long movie, so it's I have to devote a chunk of time to it. But ultimately, like I don't really like having my expectations set for the quality of something before I go into it. Right. Yeah. No. And that's kind of my thing with, you know, most movies like, I don't know. I, I And I, maybe that's part of why I wasn't the biggest fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, even though like I love Tarantino movies for whatever reason, that one didn't do it for me. And I think it's because like I read a little something about it before going to see it. And it didn't give away spoilers, but it kind of gave away the overall vibe of the movie. And I kind of wish I had saved that for when I saw it so that it wouldn't like I wasn't going in expecting something, you know? Right. When you have expectations for something that sets the table for you. And if it doesn't meet those expectations, falls below those expectations or exceeds them, like it's influenced your experience. I randomly just had this thought just now, because I know we were just talking about like, what's going to happen with Kim. What if, I don't think this will happen, but what if, like, Jimmy does something to Kim? Like, uh, in what regard? Like, accidentally hit her or something like that? Well, what if he, like... 
or like, I don't, I don't know, screws her over in a deal or something. I don't think you'd hit her, but like maybe yeah, like I, screws her over in a deal or because they did have the episode where they go up against each other in a legal situation. Yeah. So like part of me wonders, like what if what if something happens between them where he wants her gone? And it's like a <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons gone. Yeah. Get out of here. We don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just I'm galaxy braiding right now probably but like there's so many possibilities of what could happen with her and like because like for Lalo we have like a basic understanding of what's good. like he's going away somehow we know that and it's I think there's very limited options for Lalo I would be shocked yeah. if Lalo is still breathing by the end of the show because Lalo is such a an impressive malignant presence. He is a guy that just terrifies you with one look. And it could be the friendliest yeah. look in the world. Like when he opens up the window in the car and he's just grinning like a maniac through it. it yes. Yeah. <laughs> the man is smiling with his teeth, but his eyes are all menace. Oh yeah. He's insane. And like, it's weird to say this because I love Gus so much, but like, I think I like Lalo even more as a villain. He is so fun. Like and he's, I think the crazy thing about him is like he's he's really charismatic in a way that like Gus isn't like Gus is all brain. Gus is all brain. And Gus is Gus is a guy who's just restraint. He's holding yeah. himself back because if he doesn't restrain himself, that's when his plan goes awry. Yeah, he's a very careful. Yeah, he, like they, they even said in Breaking Bad, like he's a very careful man, a cautious man. And like. Lalo is all of the best things about Gus, except he is charismatic and colorful and charming. And like, he kind of, that makes him even more dangerous because he's so confident in everything that everything will work out in his way. You know, he really is. And that, that confidence, that charisma, he's just an incredible character. And, in my rewatch right now, I did state that I'm enjoying the show more the second time around and really taking everything in and the pacing is better than I initially thought it was. But like, I can't believe how long it is before Lalo is on the show because he is such a vital character and he's one of the first things I think about when I think about Better Call Saul. He's left such a mark. It's almost like Gus in the for in breaking bad you know yeah. gus is such a pivotal part of the experience but gus is only really there for two seasons yeah like two or three seasons if that yeah because it's the end of season five that you know his time ends and then all season four he's in it and then season am i thinking oh no no, no. yeah because wait a minute were there Okay, I'm getting confused. So I'm thinking that there was a sixth season of Breaking Bad. There wasn't, but they split season five into like two parts. Yeah, and I just consider like, season five one part. I hate when they split it into two parts. It's yeah, like, just okay, it, it's just yeah. the same season. Just you're airing some episodes later. Like this is not right. two seasons. Let's not treat it yeah. like that. But like he was in season two for like a, literally like two or three episodes, if that. And right. then three and four. So, yeah, like really two seasons. And he was one of the main people. And that's why I kind of hope that like when they were talking to Giancarlo Esposito on the Ridge Eisen pod, like I kind of hope that they do a spinoff about Gus. I don't know how realistic that is, but that would be really cool because there's so much we don't know about Gus. 
Well, he's the one guy who still has a ton of mystery. As you said, we don't know a lot about him. And yeah. we know he did something in Chile way back when that was really bad. And there's connective tissue between when he got basically booted out of Chile and ends up with the cartel and seeing his, his partner, unfortunately murdered in front of him, which sets his course for the rest of breaking bad. In fact, I was just watching on better call. Saul the episode we just watched yesterday was the one where Hector Salamanca, uncle Tio, as a lot of people, uncle, uncle, (laughs) as a lot of people like to think of him. (laughs) Tio is meeting with, the cartel down in Mexico. And you know that because it's uh, sepia tone, sepia toned. <laughs> it's the only way you know it's <laughs> yeah. Mexico. But yeah. when he's down there, that's when Gus doesn't appear, but he sends a bunch of money, duffel bags full of money and a Los Pollos Hermanos t-shirt. And Hector just is like seething, but just that whole, you know, that whole subplot and just Gus not showing up in person, but, and he's still like laying all his plans down to screw Hector over. And it's, it's all about basically getting revenge on these people that wronged him while also right. gaining that power for himself, which is why Gus's story is so great. Yeah. God. Yeah. I would love to see more about how him and Max came together and began the whole operation, you know, and like what led to that whole, you know, the killing of Max and, how Gus really began this empire that that started up after Max's death. Like, I think, I don't know. I think that would be a really, really cool thing. Maybe what they'll do is they'll do a, uh, some sort of, some sort of movie, kind of like what they did for uh, El Camino. I think that'd be great. And I think that would be a nice way to do it without stretching it too thin, because that was one of the concerns coming into Better Call Saul from Breaking Bad is, are you stretching this material too thin? And and why yeah. Better Call Saul has been such a successful spinoff and prequel is because they built their own universe and haven't tried to rely too much on the Breaking Bad universe. They've introduced right. a shit ton of elements as we've gone along, and we're about to see, you know, probably more elements coming up this season. But, you know, they have brought them in slowly, and after establishing the rest of Jimmy's universe. So after establishing the, um, what am I trying to think of? Like, you know, after establishing HHM, Howard, Chuck, and Kim, like all these, and Nacho. Nacho is such a big part of it too, because Nacho gets to be, as I was saying before, like your, your sympathetic eye into the cartel where you think he's like this real hard edge badass at first, but he's a guy who's just trying to make it work for his family. He's such a sympathetic character and he's the one guy I'm really fearful for him and his father heading into this last season. Like I was again, an episode we were rewatching yesterday was where Hector Salamanca first starts to tell Nacho that he needs to use his family's business as a front. And Nacho's like, but that my father doesn't want that. My father doesn't deserve this. And Hector Salamanca is a bully and he does not give one flying fuck about that. Yeah. Yeah. What if like, I just, <laughs> I just had a funny thought of like, what if Daniel, Daniel Wormold, the, uh, the pie sitter in, uh, 
um, better call Saul. What if he ends up playing like a significant role? Oh my God. He's also the energy vampire on what we do in the shadows. And what a, a great character actor that guy is. And he's also briefly in one of the later seasons of the, the office as uh, one of the warehouse workers, just great, awkward energy. The energy vampire himself. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this thing that they've been doing? I think it was a uh, better call. Saul posted this on, or maybe it was the breaking bad YouTube channel. They posted it on YouTube and they did a thing like an American greed. I did see this. That was so well done. It really was. It just like, you could have told me that was an actual episode of American greed. And I would have been like, yeah, yeah that checks out. And they had the Kettleman's there. And uh, <laughs> I just love how just out of sync the Kettleman's are. Like they put on this image of being like the perfect family and they just all hate each other. It's just amazing. never been on the same page. Just two people. Yeah. Uh, there's the mastermind and then there's the, the hapless like, okay. I'm trying to think of like if there were any characters that could like that were in the early seasons or like characters that were somewhat insignificant that could come back into this season and really fuck shit up, you know? Right. I mean, I think you've got most of the great fuck shit up people already on the board because right now, you know, going back to talking about probably my favorite character in the show, Lalo. And I, 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 it just, before I get into that, Tony Dalton is just, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff. The only other thing I can really think of, he showed up on, on Hawkeye for a little bit and he was great on that but like he's just like this charisma he brings and the malice i talked about and it's it's such an amazing performance and like he does ridiculous things on this show like he he leaps into a vent into an air duct to scramble behind <laughs> a, a pane of glass to get information and kill a guy like it's completely ridiculous. There's no way I should, I should have tons of problems with him doing this, but I don't give a, I don't give one single no. solitary shit because it's hilarious. And Tony Dalton is just so goddamn good as Lalo. I mean, watching that scene at the end of last season, which is the table setting for this season and why yes. Lalo is so terrifying where they actually send mercenaries in to take him out. And he takes every goddamn one of them out is it's insane there's no way this guy should be able to do that but because of this performance and the way that lalo has been established i bought it i 100 percent bought that he could do that and i'm ter- i don't know how they escape lalo's revenge this season i i have no idea how either it's like he's almost like supernatural too like you mentioned the air vent thing and then I remember when he found Saul's car in the middle of the desert. Remember he like jumped 20 foot, like, like he made like a 20 foot drop and he just landed right on his feet on, on Saul's car in that ditch. Yeah. And it's just like, he did crazy shit and it just didn't make physical sense at all. It's like, he's more than just, it's like, he's some sort of demon dude. It's like weird, but like, I don't know. I, I think that's what makes him so interesting is it's like he almost seems like not even a, a human. He seems almost like like robotic kind of with just with charisma and stuff. And then it's funny because I feel like Gus also has that. I feel like he has not quite to the same extent, but I feel like he has this aura about him where he's like non-human, just expressionless, you know, like he's almost like a, just a like a skittish 
being where like when you see him it's just like oh something's something's gonna happen it's like a bone chilling thing so essentially if you think about it for extending this to other properties lalo is kind of a terminator in a way where yeah he can do all these crazy things he can't seem to be destroyed and he's just this this pure force of malice and evil but also like you know a good time and terminators can sometimes have a little bit of charisma where gus is like He's an alien of some sort. He's like a Vulcan, yeah. right? Like where he's just like, well, no, let's not. Well, he's a Vulcan on the outside, but he's seething with rage inside, which is why his motivation to take down Don Hector is is always there. It's something he's always thinking about. He's always just right. thinking about how do I get my revenge on these people? And it's the long game. He's Mr. Chestnut Checkers over there. He's the Sean Couturier, if you will, of the Breaking Bad <laughs> world. Or it's just all this calculated, you know, these calculated moves, which get him to the poolside at Don Eladio's place and poisoning everybody with the tequila to the point where he poisons himself just to prove yeah. that he didn't poison it true. and makes himself yeah. vomit. And just like, oh, that, what a great scene. I'm just like uh, gushing thinking about it. Yeah. And like, I think what I love also that they've kind of added to the mix in Better Call Saul is like for Breaking Bad, I feel like like we knew that Gus was um, he wasn't afraid to get violent and he was very calculated in what he did. But then we also saw in Breaking or in uh, Better Call Saul just kind of how like sadistic he is, because Remember when right after Don Hector had his like heart attack and he was in his bed unconscious in a coma or whatever. I just remember um, Gus showing up one night and like talking to him as he was like sleeping. And he was saying like, yeah, we used to grow these fruit and this animal kept coming and eating it all. The And it got hurt one day. And he said the humane thing would have to do would have been to kill it. But I kept it. And I watched it suffer. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's, like, out of his mind, you know? Well, it all goes back to that that don't sign that he leaves on Mike Ehrmantraut's car. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all goes. Yeah. And so it, it's when he says, like, you know, a bullet to the head would have been far too humane for him, you know? And it's just like, he's really, it, and it goes to show, like, when he was visiting him throughout Breaking Bad, or and even in Better Call Saul, when you would go to the, um, to the uh, not funeral home, God, the retirement, retirement home, yeah, retirement home. You would go in, and he would just like taunt him, and it's just like so fucked up when you think about it. Because, well, like, that's the one time you see beneath the the shell, essentially, of yeah. what is Gus Fring. He has this entire professional persona. This is like who he presents himself to be. And there's really three Gusses at the end of the day. There's the Gus that is friendly and presents himself out in the public. The one who owns Los Pollos Hermanos and yeah. is such a pivotal part of the community. He's going to the, the firemen, to the police, and and offering free chicken and you know going to fundraisers and such. And then there's, of course, the, the crime boss Gus, the one who's um, professional. He doesn't want to wa- work with Walter White because he's not a professional man. And he wants a serious guy. So he's a very serious man, very put together. But then the third Gus is the one that is just seething with rage. He likes to torture. He's the one who takes out Victor with the box cutter, you know, 
the one that you oh. don't see often. That's still one of the most excruciating scenes I've ever seen. And one of the most shocking. Is, yeah. Because you're not expecting it. You think he's going to take out like Walt or Jesse or somebody like because what they've done with Gale and everything. But he sends the message to his own man by taking out one of his most loyal guys. Cause we see Victor yeah. on better call Saul. He's been there most of the way. Yeah. That scene still like, I don't get like, you know, squee like freak, you know, I don't freak out at the sight of blood and stuff, but that scene gets me sometimes where like, if I watch it back, I'm just like, Oh God, I have to like turn away a second. There's so it's, much blood. It's so graphic. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also bad. the way that he suffers through it because Typically, when you see a movie or a TV show and somebody has their throat slit, it's an instantaneous death. It's just something they're just done for. And he actually, like, suffers on the floor. And yeah. Gus, like, watches it and makes sure the job is done. And it's it, right. that's the sadistic Gus. That's the one that's just filled with rage. And we've never seen loving Gus there's somewhere down but he died when his partner died in that pool like it's there was a loving Gus at one point there was a guy that really cared and and you know maybe there you see part of that when he's out in the community smiling and yeah like maybe that's where that that part of him gets to live but he compartmentalizes it so much that really like the only one that really comes out is the seething rage part. And you really have to do a lot to drag that out of him. Walter could drag that out of him because Walter's the biggest asshole in the history of television. <laughs> yeah. And, but you know, like that's why he works with Mike so well, because Mike is a guy who just is like, he likes to remain professional. He yeah. likes, he also likes to compartmentalize, but Mike also, you know, at least in better call Saul doesn't like to take those, those violent notes when he can, he likes to find those creative solutions. It's almost like to the point of parody sometimes where he's doing these MacGyver things, but like, they're always entertaining. I always enjoy the hell out of them. Especially my favorite is when he's getting Kaylee to put the nails through the hose and uses that to be a spike strip for the truck. But like Mike goes out of his way to find these and where he learns the lesson though, about no half measures is throughout better call Saul. And then he just turns into like, okay, I'm doing this for my granddaughter and I'm just going to compartmentalize myself into this person that I do this for the drug business. I'm doing this for my family. And when I'm not here, I'm just going to give my full devotion to my family. Yeah. Oh, also what's interesting about Gus is like, we talk about that like emotional loving side. I, I would love to see more of that because I know there's more of that to him. Cause I remember in breaking bad, um, the episode where Walt goes over to his house and they cook dinner together. Um, he says, I'm making a wonderful Chilean dish. It's one of my favorites. I never get to make it. The kids won't eat it. Like he has kids and we've never seen them or we never hear anything about them. And I think that would be an interesting thing to get to know more about. Like there's so many things about him that like, honestly, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like he's a family man. Um, I presume like he, he had a wife or something, or maybe he adopted kids. I'm not sure how that all worked out, but like he mentioned in an episode, like, yeah, I have kids. The kids won't eat my, you know, this dish that I'm making us And like, uh, there's just so many un uncovered things about Gus that 
just draw me into him. And it's what makes him one of my favorite characters ever in TV. You know, and it's also you never really see people actually hold back on the mystery, which is why I'm almost hesitant to see further Gus Fring projects because I like the mystery about him. Yeah. Um, like I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big like comic nerd from way back. I'm a big X-Men guy and most comic people, most X-Men people will tell you that Wolverine was always better before you knew shit about Wolverine because yeah. Wolverine for the longest time was a mysterious character with an unknown past and people would speculate on his origin, but you never knew. And then like in recent no, by recent, I mean the last, like, 20 or so years, like, Marvel has given you, like, full-on origins. Like, there are no questions about it. And it's just, like, it's nice to have answers, I guess, but it's just not the same as having the mystery as before. He was a better when he was a mysterious character. So I, I almost worry about something like that with Gus Fring, learning too much about who he is as a, a character and his backstory. But I do want to know about those kids. I will say that. I've been, I'm very curious. Yeah. And his Chilean past. I, I would like to know, but I also am having fun filling in the blanks in my head. Yeah, and that's kind of how they, I feel like they did that with Mike as well, and they did it perfectly with him. Where, like, it's, you kind of follow the breadcrumbs to the truth with him. Like, you can you know that he served in the Vietnam War just based off of context clues. Well, Mike, the big one with that is when he's looking at the rifles and the sniper yes. rifles, and he doesn't trust the automatic because he's used the bolt action before, and he he has experience with that one. And they kind of allude to it, and you can tell like he's seen some shit. Yeah, exactly. And then like when he shows them like the classic you know sniper rifle that they've been using since like the. 50s or 60s or whatever he's just like oh you you look like you've you're familiar with this one he's just like yep well and then <laughs> and the, like, the, the part that gets yep. him is that he talks about the i think the stock on it and forgive me i'm not a, a huge gun guy i i know yep. a little bit but you know i'm not a big gun guy but he talks about how they it's used like to use wood and wood would warp and now they use i think like particle board or something like that and he's like yeah, I wish they had told us that back in the jungle or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So like little things like that. That's such a good way to reveal somebody's past without treating the audience like a bunch of idiots. And I, I think that's why people revere these shows so much, because they don't treat their audience like a bunch of idiots that need their hand held. I've stopped watching yeah. shows in the past because they like will hold people's hands to the point of this ridiculousness. Like I just, it's so frustrating as a viewer to just be treated like an idiot. Like it, there are some shows that like, I fully admit I watch because they're light and breezy. Cause it can't all be better call Saul's and breaking bads and mad men's out there. Yeah. It can't just all be like big time drama. And yeah, it, sometimes, yeah, there should be some hand holding, but like, for the most part, I really hate getting my hand held on these shows. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like it either. And that's what I'm so. That's what I love about Vince Gilligan. Like he's, I feel like he's very understanding of that. Like people want a little element of mystery, even in some of the most, you know, iconic characters. Um, fun fact: He actually went to. Um, he grew up where I went to college in Farmville, Virginia. Is that right? And. He went to, I think he went to like Monacan High School in Midlothian or like in the Chesterfield area. So, yeah, he's like right around, 
he grew up right where I grew up, pretty much. Wow, that's cool. I mean, you yeah. know, you and Vince Gilligan, both cool guys. What can I say? <laughs> but, but Vince Gilligan has that wonderful accent that he always has out there. Like that, I can't. Oh, I'm not going to do an impression, but I love his accent. Yeah, I know. He's got like the perfect like, like just kind of southern charm. It's kind of like an all shucks, like you know, like all shucks, yeah, like you know, it's like very soft spoken. But he just sounds like such a generous, nice guy, and like. He has to be one of the best guys to work with on a, a set, you know, like, yeah, you can tell that like they work with the same people for years and everybody like every time you read an article about it, everybody seems to have such a great experience. I read a really great oral history of Better Call Saul on the Ringer the other day that I would recommend checking out. And like, it just seems like such a tight knit group and they really seem to let creative expression fly. Uh, we were yeah. talking before about some of the cinematography they use in the show and what they'll say on the podcast sometimes is they'll work on other projects and somebody will say, give me that breaking bad look. And then they'll have these like really zoomed out shots where just characters are almost tiny specks right there. And they'll say, well, I need you to zoom in. They said, I thought you want the breaking bad look. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and that that's what I love about what he is doing. I'm, I'm looking at like some of his, um, like some of his best shots right now, actually. Um, that he's, cause there's so many good ones and that you can tell with him exactly. Like if you see an image of a scene from breaking bad, you know, it's a breaking bad scene without being told that it's from breaking bad, you know, absolutely. Like he has a very signature cinematography. And well, if I think for instance, like if I think about like just shots from the two shows that I really love, the one I always think about is when Gus brings Walter White to the desert and they have that cloud go overhead. Yes. And which if you listen to the podcast, they said that that was just like a happy accident. Like that cloud yeah, just happened cloud. to go over while they were filming and it looks amazing. Yeah. And then something kind of similar happened in um, Better Call Saul because I remember Mike went out into the middle of the desert for something and he like pulled over. I think he was looking for the little tracker on his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it shows like kind of a bit fur further back uh, view where like you see him and the landscape behind him. And there's like these rain clouds coming and you see this like bolt of lightning come down. And it like he like reacts to it. And like I'm sure that was a happy accident too, but it was just so cool. Like I don't know what it is. It's It's really neat the way they do it. It's very neat the way they do it because they, I think they try to use natural settings wherever they can. And you, yeah. you see increasing number, an increasing number of green screen sets out there. People are using green screen left and right. And don't get me wrong. It's a great safe environment, especially with COVID and everything. And you see some, they've done some incredible things. I think the Mandalorian using their crazy green screen room has produced some incredible results. They've done uh, amazing stuff with that, but you really can't beat the real thing when you can go out yeah. and get it. And they use the real thing. They have these guys in the desert and it shows and it's like nature. They let nature be nature and it it's gorgeous. Like um, there's another great shot I saw the other night where it was just like, it had this, this bridge at night and there were reflections and everything like it. That one's a little bit harder to describe, but yeah, it was so cool. Like they just, they do this great stuff. They always have the best time-lapse shots I've ever seen. The time-lapses oh, yeah. are beautiful. The montages are beautiful because they bring movie cinematography and filming techniques to television. And yeah. 
I, I, that's why it resonates with people. They don't treat people like idiots and they give you top-notch productions. They're not afraid to try new things with the camera. When you're talking about the bridge scene, are you talking about the the episode where Mike is like following that one dude around? Yes. And he's like, he's like picking up things and he like goes into the sewer. Yes. Yes. With the tracker. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He finds the tracker on the gas cap. There's like a ton of great things from when he finds that tracker because he also does the the scene I talked about before where he pulls the car apart entirely, basically like almost every part of that car, which is so cool. Yeah. And it's, (laughs) I would be so pissed. (laughs) Like if I take my entire car apart and I was just like, wait, this entire fucking time it was just in the gas cap. Just in the gas cap. I at least that was his burner car, right? That was just like the one he picked up for like 200 bucks from the lot, like a real piece of shit. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about like what we think will happen with Lalo and Nacho and Kim and everybody. But we had, I guess now is a good time to talk about like what's going to happen with Gene. Yes. This is the big question is they've been building up. There's always the Gene scene at the beginning of the season, the black and white, you know, this is his colorless life now without getting to be an actor, be a lawyer, because what Better Call Saul has shown us is that Jimmy McGill deep down wants to perform, whether it's in the courtroom or on the streets for people. Like he is a performer at the end of the day and being the manager of a Cinnabon while very safe is not performance. He is not doing anything out there with the people. He's a scam artist at the end of the day who really is not allowed to live. And he wants to get back to that, but we've been seeing this increasing paranoia in his everyday life. His, this just increasing, like he thinks there's people behind his shoulder. There's the, the infamous cab ride where he's getting bad vibes from the cab driver. Oh dude, that scene that scene freaks me out every time. Like the way the guy's looking at him in the rear view and he's not talking or anything and you just see his eyes. Oh my God. It just makes me so uncomfortable. It's incredible. And the way it's filmed is fantastic. I love the use of black and white. Like black and white. Yeah. It, it Black and white's one of those things that people don't really understand the average viewer because like it, it you know, it, it's a little harder to follow, but you can do beautiful things with black and white, especially with the, the differences in contrast. And it really gives these gene scenes, which is, you know, very ho-hum, like everyday stuff, a real sense of like noir to it, where yeah, it, it gives it a mystery. It gives it mystery and it almost gives it a sense of like urgency too. It's like weird. It's hard to, to kind of describe, but like... I guess it's just, you know, something's going to happen in that world and you're just kind of waiting for it to happen. And I don't know, like, I wonder if when they get to the final gene scene or whatever, if they take away the black and white. Well, I wouldn't be surprised by that. The only time we've seen color in the gene scenes is when he watches his old Saul Goodman tapes. Yeah. And this, you know, this guy is a performer. He's having a really difficult time laying low. Uh, We see that where he, you know, unfortunately rats out the shoplifter to the mall cop. But then immediately once they arrest him, goes like, you have rights. Get a lawyer. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier. And the kids, the cops are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) They're like all pissed off. He has a really hard time holding back, you know, like he really you know, where Walter White goes around like with that seething rage every day. Right. Like 
And we talk about Gus Fring also having that seething rage deep inside. He doesn't have rage, but he has this need to be an extrovert. Like Jimmy McGill is an extrovert at the end of the day and really hates being stuck in this life. But he also was very happy to be alive, unlike Walt. So he's willing to just like lay down. It's just you can tell it's like kind of killing him inside. Now, the question is, who's after him? Is anybody after him at all? Uh, Is it the FBI? Is it the cartel? Or is he just paranoid? I think he's, I mean, I think it might be a little bit of all those things. I think he's definitely paranoid. If anyone's after him. <sighs> I've seen teasers where there are wanted posters for for Jimmy McGill. Slash really? Saul Goodman. Yes. I've seen teasers for that. So I'm sure the FBI, the police are looking for him in some capacity. But, yeah. you know, would they be that subtle as to just have like a cab driver? Again, I don't know if the cab driver means anything, but... It's a very tense scene, and he doesn't let him come back to his house. You know, he doesn't know where he lives, so he just, uh, you know, hoofs it from there. And the cartel is always a question, too, because, you know, I don't know what's left of the cartel at this point. But, you know, I'm sure somebody's out there. But, I mean, most likely it's the police, the FBI, that would be after him. I would think the police, but I also wonder, like... He's wronged so many people and like, who knows, like maybe, maybe something happens with Lalo where like, he's not dead. Oh my God. That is something I hadn't even considered where Lalo, because I had something, I have a note here about a potential ending is like, maybe he reunites with Kim and lives happily ever after, which I sincerely doubt they would too. Now I have a feeling that, yeah, no. Like, let's say Lalo gets put into a coma or some shit, which I, again, had not even considered. Lalo flees the country. I thought Lalo was only going to die. I thought there's no way anything else happens. That's terrifying to think about, that Lalo could, like, escape to, oh, what's the country that, Belize, right? Yeah, yeah. what if he goes to, <laughs> what if he goes to Belize? Lalo goes to Belize and then comes back and to get his vengeance on Jimmy McGill. Oh, my God. Now, part of me wonders, is Jimmy worth all that? Is he worth coming back? Nacho, I would get. If if Nacho were in Omaha working at Cinnabon, I'd be horrified if I were Nacho of Lalo coming back and, and killing me. But would Lalo go through all that trouble for Jimmy, though? Well, let's see what happens this season, because he could yeah. do something further. Yeah, he could. He could. And Nacho is you know we talked about I, like like I, I think Nacho could escape I think Nacho has a chance to have a Jesse Pinkman ending to the show and yeah. escape to like Alaska or like South America or something but I don't think it's likely but I think it's it's a possibility because he is a guy who has shown remorse for some of his actions and would like to start a new life someone has to die right I just feel like someone someone's going to die. And like, I have a feeling it could be Nacho. I have a strong feeling. We I, we talked about this before. I have a strong feeling Howard could die somehow, some way. Hmm. And that could come back to reflect on Kim in some way. That could happen. He could have like a heart attack or something. You know, that would certainly be dramatic and well within the lifestyle of a lawyer. Yeah. But Nacho seems like the most obvious person 
to get killed. And this is, you know, they're not afraid of, of doing this. They're not going to Game of Thrones this where they just kind of get too attached to all their characters and refuse to kill anybody in the final season, yeah. which is still, I think, such an insane decision from that show to just stop killing people in the final season when the expectation is for people to die. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like someone has to d- die and I feel like it could be like, Howard and his death could cause like what if it what if what if Kim somehow kills him in an effort to take down HHM or something like that? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I really don't know who who exactly it'll be, but I feel like there's gonna be a death. And I feel like it's gonna shake up everything. Yeah, because Chuck's death was such a huge one. And you know, that set Jimmy down a a little bit more of a a more Saul Goodman-esque path where he kind of just stopped giving a shit like that. It definitely killed a part of Jimmy McGill's soul when his brother died, even though they had all their differences. Like I just got through the episode where they have the courtroom drama between Chuck and Jimmy and what an incredible Uh, has a meltdown in the courtroom. He's like, not Jimmy, not our precious Jimmy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That one, because, (laughs) well, because Jimmy, you know, he had played Jimmy like a fiddle to get him in that position in the first place. But then Jimmy had, he'll show up much skinnier. He'll show up and place the cell phone battery in his pocket to make it look like his electricity allergy was bullshit. And well, because it is, it's a mental condition he's got, but it's, it's such a, an incredible scene. And Michael McKean is so good on this show. It's a, it's a shame that he had to die. So the show could truly live, but that is what happened. Not that the show was bad before. And I'm, again, I'm appreciating it more, but it clicks into a new gear. Once Chuck has passed away. You know what else I'm thinking about now? So in breaking bad, we know that crazy eight was a semi important person. Like at the beginning of breaking bad. And right now, in Better Call Saul, he seems not important, but he keeps coming back. Well, he's still working for his father's furniture company. You can tell that because he always comes in in the polo with the name yeah. tag and everything. And he's doing the drug stuff, but he's below Nacho. So whatever happens to Nacho, that opens up space for him to move up in the organization. Like, what if Crazy 8 does something to Nacho? I would not put it past him. Yeah. Because, like, now I'm thinking, I haven't even thought about this till just now. Like, I feel like Crazy 8 might be a little more of an important character this time around. Oh, and also, so I don't know what, how important this is or not, but I'm just seeing this. So I just typed in, like, Better Call Saul characters. And, like, of course, you see Saul Goodman, Huel, Mike, Gus, Lalo. If you scroll over, this is just on Wikipedia, but if you scroll over... You see Jesse Pinkman and Walter White, but maybe that's just because oh, I, I wasn't sure how to address this or not, but like the Better Call Saul Instagram account made this like clear as day. Unfortunately, uh, they have a straight up uh, I'm going to pull it up now, but they have a straight up post that just says uh, they're coming back with a picture of Walt and Jesse. In what? In Better Call Saul on the Instagram? It literally, yeah, the Better Call Saul Instagram literally has a picture of Walt and Jesse that says they're coming back. Oh boy. I wasn't sure how to address that. I, I wasn't sure if people hadn't seen that or not. So, you know, just wasn't sure if that's like a spoiler for people because I wanted that to be a surprise. They've had some great surprises throughout. Like Gus, I saw coming as soon as that note was down. I was like, that's Gus. 
And then they yeah. had the, the Easter egg in the titles. I forget exactly what it was, but um, it was like Frings Back or something like that. That one was like clear as day Gus, but it didn't, um, didn't, didn't Hank show up? Hank and Gomi show up at one point? Uh, Hank is in it. He played like a pretty important role in uh, the last season. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Hank and Gomi have showed up. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know they were coming back. And then I love Steve Gomez. Steve Gomez is awesome. He's one of those low key yeah. MVPs of the show. Cause he's a great kind of straight man to Hank sometimes. Yeah. And they're great ball busters back and forth that I was actually very insulted one time because I heard a theory that Steve Gomez was working for the cartel. And I'm like, that's only because he's Hispanic. You're only saying that because he's <laughs> Hispanic. He has no indications of working for the cartel. Okay. I'm like, I'm annoyed that they kind of said that they're, they're coming back. I'm annoyed too. Cause now I'm thinking maybe it's just a brief, brief thing because I remember in one episode of better call Saul, they did like a fast forward to Saul and Francesca, like, scrambling through their office with like the styrofoam columns and everything they did a fast forward so maybe they'll do another fast forward to that time period where jesse and wall are involved i'd welcome that hanging out at the laser tag place you know yeah yeah because it wouldn't make sense for them to just show up randomly in you know well unless the unless at some point in the season we kind of catch up to the breaking bad timeline and some of this stuff is happening concurrently. Yeah. Which could happen because yeah, he could. does mention Ignacio and Lalo at the beginning of, you know, Breaking Bad when he appears. Yeah. So for all we know, this drama could be happening on the side. Yeah, that's a great point. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. I Who knows? I mean, here's the thing. While it kind of sucks that we're not going to be surprised by seeing that bald head just show up. Yeah. At the same time, like, they wouldn't reveal that if that in and of itself was the spoiler, was the storyline. There's definitely more to it, and they're going to be surprises. They always find ways to surprise people. Yeah, like, I don't think Jesse and Walt are just going to show up and all of a sudden they're going to, like, steal the show for the whole season. Like, I feel like it's going to be a very minor thing that they show with them. And then the rest of you know, what we're expecting to happen or what we're hoping will happen, that will unfold on its own organically. Well, and I, I talked before about how they've they've so smartly incorporated all the Breaking Bad characters, Hank and Gomi, Gus, yeah. Mike. I mean, Mike's been in there from the start, but that's because Mike provides the, the look into the action pack world, which is a nice counterbalance to Jimmy's, like, more lawyerly world for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here's the question. When, when does Bill Burr show up? When's Kubi coming back? Dude, if Bill Burr is in this, I will have I will be so happy. With a terrible <laughs> wig, because he doesn't have hair anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, no, his hair is long gone now. Long but, gone. God, I would love to see Bill Burr back. He was pretty good. He was not bad at acting in that uh, in those scenes. No, he's great. I, actually, I think Bill Burr's done a, a great job in his acting roles. I think he's, he's really good in his small appearances on Breaking Bad. And he's actually been great on The Mandalorian. Did you see... Um, the King of Staten Island? Yes. Was that good? It was pretty good, yeah. How so was, uh, it, it has a classic Judd Apatow thing, though, where it's like, 
it's at least like a half hour too long because Judd Apatow uh, just does not edit his films. <laughs> but yeah, obviously there's editing, but like it, Judd Apatow films like always go on like an hour to a half hour too long. Like he just doesn't cut stuff as much as he should. No, Burr's great in that. Buscemi's really good in that. Oh, Buscemi's in that. I didn't know that. Yeah, Buscemi's in that. Uh, That's cool Pete because Davidson I know Buscemi really has like that firefighter background. Yeah, exactly. Like he's a real firefighter and it's about, you know, Pete Davidson's father was a, a firefighter and that's yeah. like his world there on Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Huh? Yeah. I like King of Staten Island. It was good. It just, again, should be a little bit shorter, but uh, it is a good film now. Yeah. I'd love to see Bill Burr come back. Uh, Kubi because we've seen Huel come back and Huel is like the one guy who's had the most drastic difference between when he was on Breaking Bad and now because <laughs> yeah. he probably lost a hundred plus pounds. He did. Yeah. Which great for him. That's I mean, that's incredible. Like in real life, Huel lost like he literally lost that weight. But like in the Better Call Saul universe, he's in the beginning of his weight gain. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? It's like um it's like in the, the Godfather part two flashbacks when yeah. you see um who's the who's the heavier set gentleman? Is it uh Luca Brazzi? I cannot i'm trying to remember but you always see him like eating like a bunch of pasta and everything like you know he's really gonna start gaining up weight i was always thinking they were gonna do that with um there was this weird batman tv show a few years ago gotham and the penguin was played by a very skinny actor and i was always just like you can't have a skinny penguin the penguin's a fat guy and i was like they gotta show him like eating like a bunch of food in the background like he's gonna fatten up or something they never did that it's kind of like also, Tyrus in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he's like much heavier in Better Call Saul, and then he's like super skinny in Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, that's just life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same thing with Todd in uh, El Camino. Oh, he poor was- Todd. Jesse Plevins has put on so much weight. That was so funny because I was just like, it, like it took place literally during all the Breaking Bad stuff, and I was like, "Wow, he gained like fifty pounds in a week and lost it a week later." <laughs> Here's know? how I justified that to myself when I rewatched El Camino a few weeks back. It's from Jesse's perspective, so maybe Jesse's just thinking in his head, "This fat fuck." Yeah, <laughs> maybe that is what it is. <laughs> no, it's like you know, unfortunately, you can only do so much. And poor Jesse Plemons, he you know, he's not one of those method actors. Just gonna, he's not gonna Christian bail it up and eat only apples for a month to get back to his Breaking Bad weight. Oh God, no, absolutely not. No, and I wouldn't ask him to do that. You know, I'll, I'll deal with Fat Todd in the movie and just suspend my my disbelief. I really hope the role of Lalo Sal- Salamanca like really sets off. Uh, fuck, what's his name? Tony Dalton. Tony Dalton's career. Oh, I want to see I Tony really Dalton in anything. Actually, you know what? That's the spinoff I want. I want the Lalo spinoff. That would be so much fun. Send Lalo to Russia and he's got to like learn to adapt to a new culture <laughs> while murdering yeah. everybody. I still love when he's like chasing Mike and Mike like destroys the ma- the little ticket machine thing. Oh with my the God. Bubble gum. So good. What a great scene. And that Lalo-Mike rivalry is so good. That Lalo-Everybody rivalry is so good. Like, I hope Lalo lasts a while this season, okay? Like, I don't want him to die or go away until the very end because he's just a delight. I want it to be more like Breaking Bad where, like, when Hank dies, it's, like, the third to last episode. Like, that I can get down with. Yeah, that's, like, the perfect time for Hank to go is, like, third to last episode like he did. Or Mike went you know, 
Mike went pretty late in the run too. Mike went ultimately, what is it like in the first half of season five, like the second to last episode? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but like not that far from the end. You know, he probably only you have half a basically half a season without Mike Ehrmantraut, which, you know, that sucks because Mike Ehrmantraut is like such an iconic character for the show. But, you know, it was the time to go because the rest of the plot doesn't happen if Mike is there to be the voice of reason. Right. Yeah. How many let me see how many episodes are in the new season? I don't even want to (laughs) know. I don't want to like, yeah, that'd be a bummer if I was expecting like 13 and then it's like eight. You know what I mean? Well, and I mean, isn't it split up into two parts? Uh, I believe. Oh, here we go. Yes. Okay, good. So there are. Do you want me to tell you how many? Why not? Okay. So there are 13 episodes and it's split into two parts. There's the first part, which starts April 18th and ends May 23rd. And then the second part starts July 11th and ends August 15th. So it's going to carry us all through summer, which is God bless them. Thank, oh, thank God. God. I need something. I need something. So, yeah, the first part is seven episodes. The second part is six. Okay. Awesome. Ugh. Brutal. Brutal. I can't, I don't want to be without this show. And it's been a delight. And, you know, I I think I would like to, if people enjoy this, please let us know. I would love to do a few more of these. I'll I'll do it after every episode. I don't care if people like it. Dude, honestly, I would too. (laughs) I'm open to that. But at at minimum, I could do a wrap up after the end of the first half of the season. And then we'll do a preview before the second half and a wrap up of the whole series. But if people want every episode, I'll willing to record it. I'm out here and we got the BSH feed that we can put all this stuff on. That's where people come for their better call saw talk is broad street hockey yeah exactly yeah and if you're listening to this and you have not seen better call saw yet uh you have 36 hours from when this is uploaded to watch the entire series i cannot <laughs> get to work you have made a huge mistake if you've listened to this whole thing and you've never watched better call saw you've just had it <laughs> yeah. all spoiled for you and you've made you've just made a, a huge error okay just correct that error immediately and if you didn't finish breaking bad for whatever reason i would finish breaking bad because breaking bad's a great ride too and if you're one of those people like i know somebody that didn't finish breaking bad because he only he didn't like the first like two three episodes you know what skip to the third season or something if you didn't like the first two three episodes because three four and five of breaking bad like one and two were great don't get me wrong i really enjoy the whole series right but i feel like the show is really in its prime from season three on. Oh, yeah. Season three is where it gets unbelievable. Like, every episode is insane. Every episode in three and four and five are just, like, they're all bangers from that point out. Like, it's... And you know what? If you skip ahead, you can get a lot of the context clues, you know? Get them pretty easily. But I'd recommend watching the whole thing. Persevere. It's worth it. All right. So, final predictions, okay, for... Let's just get, like... One sentence predictions for each one. Nacho, cool. dead, alive. What do we think's happening? <sighs> Nacho dies. All right. I'm going with His Nacho escapes to parts unknown. Actually, you know what? No. Nacho's dad dies. Yeah, I think Nacho's dad's going to die. He's a, such a nice guy. I don't want him to pass, but I think he's going to. He he gives me vibes of um, Combo from Breaking Bad. Oh, Back. Combo. Like someone who you like. But then, like, they're not a major character, but they're going to get killed. R.I.P. Combo. What a character. Combo is awesome. It's like, just don't touch Skinny Pete and Badger, and I'm good. Dude, you cannot touch Skinny Pete and Badger. That's who I I want back. I want Skinny Pete and Badger back. (laughs) Yeah. I used to hate Badger 
really but now i like him i love badger i think badger is just like such a goofball but skinny pete's the low-key mvp he's the one who hides jesse out and gives him the hat and he could play piano like a prince he's like skinny why are you doing all this for me he's just like i don't know you're like my hero and shit <laughs> teared up. It was beautiful. The way he said, the way he talks is great. It was great. I, I love Skinny Pete. He's awesome, and yeah. he's the wildest actor to see outside of Breaking Bad because he's just like a normal looking guy. Yeah, it's he does a great job of looking looking the part. For sure, <laughs> you know, for sure. <laughs> All right, Kim, what do you think? Uh, Kim Wexler is going to be up to at the end of the show. Kim lives, but she's going to. I, I think she's going to jail. You think she's think going she's to jail? Going to jail. Okay. Jail. I think she's going to jail. Either that or I think she's going home. I think she's going. I think she's going back to like Nebraska, Kansas City area. Yeah, I can see that too. But I just I'm curious as to what would cause that. You know, I'm thinking that either the danger of the cartels and Jimmy's involvement with the cartels and everything, or just maybe she gets disgraced as a lawyer. You know, due to just all these hijinks. Yeah. Yeah, no, it could be that. You know what could also happen is like, what if she dies, but we don't like see her die? Kind of like, Ugh. kind of like, uh, Ryan has a brief Ozark spoiler if you want to skip the next minute or so. In Ozark, when, um, Wendy's brother. Spoilers for Ozark here. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I should have said that first. <laughs> um, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, but like when that happens in Ozark. It's so sad and you don't like see it happen. Okay, so uh I actually am not Wait, up in, you've seen Ozark. I actually I've only seen the first season of Ozark. I'm not uh up oh, to date on that. No. That's okay. It's fine. No, that is not okay. It's fine, my dude. It's fine. I'm gonna forget all about it in five minutes. I have the memory <laughs> oh, of a goldfish. It is totally cool. Yeah, I I would be very sad if that happened to Kim. That would just uh, that would be a dirty way to do our girl Kim Wexler. Yeah, no, she deserves to go out like alive, I feel like. But I just wonder because she's she's going somewhere. She's the person I am the most worried about. Yeah, yeah. My order is Kim, then Nacho, then Nacho's dad, and then I guess Hamlin. Yeah, Hamlin. I'm like not worried about him, but I'm like almost as interested to see uh, like what happens with him just as much as Kim. Oh, for sure. I think he's a guy who has really made a nice niche for himself and is a guy that started out as one of the least sympathetic characters I've ever seen. His like ham Lindigo blue that he came up with is like custom color, just like, obnoxious yeah. details. And yeah. you're like really like rallying for Jimmy when he's like doing the, the, the billboard in his exact suit and hair and, <laughs> and the HHM logo, like all that stuff. And, He's really brought some soul to a character that, frankly, doesn't deserve to have a soul. He, no, he doesn't. It's, I don't know, like, he's been, I think, one of the more interesting characters since, and I didn't think he would be, just given how, like, kind of a douchebag he was, like we talked about at the beginning. But he's really, the development of of Howard has been really cool to watch. So I, I, I'm curious to see how that continues in this season. Another frequent guest on the Better Call Saul podcast is Patrick Fabian, who plays Hamlin, and he just sounds like an incredibly nice guy as well. Yeah, he seems really cool from everything I've seen of him. All right, big one here, Lalo. And how do you think... So I think I'm leaning more towards Lalo's gotta die, because I think there's there's no way that 
that Jimmy lives as peacefully throughout Breaking Bad, and that's a term I'm using lightly here. Uh, Jimmy lives that peacefully throughout Breaking Bad, and it doesn't fuck up all of Walt and Jesse's work if Lalo is around. Yeah. I He has to die. He has to die. Now, yeah. does he die through A, gunshot, B, knife, C, strangulation, or D, explosion? I think you gotta blow him up. Uh, oh, God. I'm gonna say explosion. He's like Michael Myers. You got to blow him up. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be explosion or or gun. I don't think it'll be a knife. Dropped out of an airplane. <laughs> gets swept away in a hot air balloon. <laughs> gets gets sucked into the engine of an airplane. like uh, Or the rotors <laughs> like in Indiana Jones with the strongman. <laughs> yes. He gets crushed in a conveyor belt at like a cookie factory. Oh my God. This is all I want now. Oh my God. Conveyor <laughs> belt. <laughs> he gets crushed accidentally trips into a vat of acid and <laughs> inspires walt's idea for dissolving bodies yeah i heard about a man who tripped into a vat yeah, of acid maybe he just becomes <laughs> the joker falls into chemicals he's the joker and then that's how the new joker is made right there yeah there's no like, i'm very much a believer of that i, I feel like that's got to be what happens right that's Turns out that this has actually been a Batman TV show this entire time. They're all Batman TV shows at the end of the day. That's what it turns out. No, we would not do such... As a big Batman fan, I'm going to say this. I would not do such a disservice to Peter Calsall here. No, no. no. Uh, Lalo is such a unique force of nature. And I'm just looking forward to just seeing him on the screen again. Being a maniac. Being this, like, superhuman cartel hitman or whatever you call Lalo at the end of the day. He's just a delight. He's one of the best characters I've seen in recent television history. Yeah, no, he, I just, I'm just bummed that it's about to end. I truly hate that we're at this point. I I don't like that. There's not another new season coming after this. I don't know what I'm going to watch when it's all done. It is a shame. It's a real shame. And, you know, kudos to the entire crew, Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould, Um, Bob Odenkirk, of course, who is a guy who, it's tremendous comedic presence throughout his career. Yeah. I, I love Mr. Show back in the day, and I still go back to Mr. Show clips all the time uh, with Bob and David on Netflix. And like, he's just had so many great roles throughout the years. But this dramatic role that he took on has really just been a whole other thing. And his performance is so good. It's so damn good. And without Bob Odenkirk, we really don't have. Well, number one, like Breaking Bad is just not nearly as good as. Uh, it is without Bob Odenkirk. It's still going to be brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but he brought a much needed dark humor into that show and I love him for it. And then on top of that, like, you know, he's just like, he brings this heart to it. He brings this humor to it. He brings the whole package. He's been incredible on this show. Honestly, like now that I think about it, I feel like, like we were talking about when does Breaking Bad get really good? Like we said, season three, I feel like the very episode that, Saul comes in that changes everything and it was like season one like it's of all the seasons I think season one of Breaking Bad is definitely the worst even though like I still love it I think one is like good two is like good but then at when Saul comes in it takes off it takes off it's electric yeah it's amazing from that point on 
And it's weird to think about that there's probably, I mean, I'm a big believer that there's like an alternate universe for everything, right? And I think there's definitely an alternate universe where Bob Odenkirk gets the job as Michael Scott on The Office and never does Breaking Bad. (laughs) And then Steve Carell is the lawyer. (laughs) And here's the thing. I think Steve Carell is fantastic, right? I don't know if Steve Carell could pull off this role because I think Bob Odenkirk could do either one. Um, his Michael Scott would have a, a bit more menace to him than Steve Carell's, but I think he would have been brilliant as Michael Scott. Like, I think Bob Odenkirk's one of the only other people who could have been Michael Scott, but I don't think Steve Carell could be Saul Goodman. I just don't yeah. think he could be. And I, I think Steve Carell's a fantastic actor. I just don't think he would be right for the role. There's a, probably some other guys. And next time we talk, I think let's come up with a list of alternate Sauls. But like Bob Odenkirk is just perfect. Absolutely perfect for this role. Yeah, like you, if if Steve Carell were better, were called were Saul, then it's not Saul anymore. You know what I mean? You're paying Steve Carell to be a lawyer. You're not like you're bringing him in to do that. You're not bringing him in to be Saul Goodman. Like he's playing something that's not what's written. And like that's I don't know. It's just it's so perfect for Odenkirk. And yeah, it would be now I'm thinking like who would be another good Saul? Like, Let's get I think we need to come up with uh, respective lists for next time we yeah. talk and we can yeah. compare and contrast here because I'm curious and I do want to get this wrapped up soon because we've been going a while at this point. So this is a, a hefty podcast right here for people to take in. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting question to think about for next time. And it's just but his performance is so good he's just got the right amount of flop sweat the stuff he does with his hair and the clothing it's just like (laughs) all the deliveries and there's just like a little bit of darkness in him that is perfect for this character so odin kirk is amazing and all right final prediction on current day jimmy mcgill saul goodman gene the cinnabon manager what do you think happens oh god because breaking bad there's only one way out of that show for walter white and that was death if that show yeah. didn't end with Walter White's death, then that show failed and it yeah. it did what yeah. it was supposed to do. What the heck happens to Gene? Because he could die. He could be arrested. He could just live his ho-hum life. He could get reunited with Kim and I'd be happy for him. Like all this stuff could happen. Something we haven't even considered could happen. Here's a plot twist. What if he does get reunited with Kim? In jail. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that would be fun. Ends up, or he gets arrested and she ends up uh, finding him and representing him anyway, even though it's yeah, a terrible, a terrible decision for her. Like it's always been. Yeah. That would be, ter- yeah, just awful. <sighs> but Kim, make better decisions. Get away from Jimmy McGill. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I, I hope that, you know, I don't think Saul slash Jimmy slash Gene is going to get a happy ending as much as I think we, we are all pulling for the guy because as we discussed earlier, he's such a a more likable protagonist than Walter White. I like, I'm literally watching Walter White do the say my name scene right now, which is such an obnoxious thing for him to do, but that's Walt for you. That's what Walt does. He's arrogant and he wanted to be the top dog. Whereas like Jimmy, like he likes the performance. He lives to be not quite a clown, but to, to perform and, and put himself out there and be flamboyant. Like that's who Jimmy is. And does like, is the worst fate for him to just continue being Gene? 
like if he ends up in prison, does he end up like putting on like shows for the other prisoners, like or representing them all, uh, giving them tips on how to get out of prison? Like that actually be kind of a great ending right there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I like I'm really now that I'm thinking more about this, I really don't know what would happen with Gene now. Because I, you're right, I don't foresee a happy ending for him at all. And especially because of the fact that, like, I mean, Gene is post-Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Over all that time, he has constantly, left and right, wiggled his way out of even the smallest little little corners that he gets backed in, into. And I feel like there has to come a time where it just, he can't back himself out of a corner anymore. You know, Ooh, and I feel like that's what's going to happen with Gene. That's a good way to put that. He has just been forever wriggling out of these traps. And does he finally get backed into a corner that he can't find an exit out of? Because the thing is, as Gene, he can't talk himself out of stuff because that is too risky to do. Because as soon as he starts gabbing, that's when people are like, wait, aren't you that guy? Like, even where he is in, what, where is he, Omaha? Like, yeah, he's yeah. still a heavily wanted man. And... Is okay. Here's my my final question on the Gene front: Is the most disappointing ending for this show the Sopranos ending, where Gene gets shot and it fades to black? Oh, they can't do that. <laughs> they can't fucking do that. Like they need to. Oh man, Don't there needs stop. to be some sort of tying of the bow. You know, yeah. Whether it's good or bad, there needs to be a tying of the bow and like really put this thing to bed and just having him just get shot and that's the end that would suck it would suck it would suck hard and nobody wants the sopranos ending for this you know the sopranos ending works for the sopranos to a degree not everybody agrees it works but i think it works and it's one that i've kind of i've struggled with over the years because it's iconic it is probably the most iconic ending to a show of all time and i don't think anybody can disagree on that front but it's and it's unique that's for sure but I think they're going to find something unique to do, something different. I don't think this ends the same way as Breaking Bad, which ends with Walter White shot, dying of gunshot wounds in a lab, as he always wanted to, with a song about... Uh, <laughs> as he always wanted, yeah. Yeah. It's song That's about blue, song. his favorite color. My baby blue. Great song. Great. And the music choices are always stunning on this show. Just uh, oh, I yeah. forget the music editor's name offhand, but it just always comes up with the best songs for every circumstance. So yeah, I guess we're gonna we're gonna see. Yeah, no, the music's always good. I love the uh, one of my favorite things from Breaking Bad was when he's driving down the ho- highway listening to uh, a horse with no name. Oh yeah, yeah. Like for some, it's like it's very, uh, it's perfect fit for like what he was going through at the time and like just the overall vibe of the show. It was, yeah, yeah, that was very good. The music choices are always stunning on the show, and uh, you know I'm excited to see. Hopefully these guys continue working together after Better Call Saul is done because they're just such a great team and they they make such great television together. Be it a Gus Fring show, be it something in the Breaking Bad universe, or be it something entirely new. I'm down for it. These guys have proven themselves time and time again, and I love their work and I would like to continue on. But, you know, that's that's pretty much all I got to say on it. I'm excited for the season to start. It's a a fantastic show and I I will definitely miss it when it's gone, but I'm going to savor every episode that we have left. Yes, same. This is like some of the best TV. I, like I've said it before, I love Breaking Bad. It's my favorite show of all time. But if this season hits, Better Call Saul might take over as my favorite TV show ever. So it's it's going to be weird when it's over. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, 
we're gonna we're gonna see what happens uh hopefully for, for the record by the way if you see any spoilers on the internet do not at us with these spoilers we want to be surprised yeah. by everything spoilers are bullshit and we gave you plenty of spoiler warning before the show so if you were spoiled by anything that's your own damn fault so i am sorry not sorry for that one but folks thank you so much for listening to this one if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter ryan people can find you at ryan quiggs with a z right correct excellente you can find me at estebomb or at flyperbole if it's for non-hockey purposes make it estebomb Oh, wow. That's the first time I've ever said it the other way around. This is a, a unique <laughs> podcast experience, and I'm enjoying it. But uh, again, if you if you did enjoy this, I definitely would welcome, you know, letting us know because we would like to continue doing podcasts of these nature, the non-hockey podcast to, uh, you know, we like talking. We have many interests besides the the hockeys at the end of the day. Believe it or not, it's true. <laughs> Believe it or not, we like stuff besides hockey. That's not, not <laughs> yeah. quite the same ring there, but George isn't at home. As enticing as it is to love nine to two losses every night, we just can't do it, guys. We have to have other interests. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Well, if you did listen to this, thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. And until next time, better call BSH.